Hello and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa, and I am a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Welcome back. Just Chris and I today. It's been a minute since it was just he and I on a podcast. Yeah, we've done a couple solo episodes. Melissa's done a couple of really cool interviews. And so I'm excited to be back on here with you, Melissa. The title of today's episode is Why Your Marriage is Worth Fighting For. And we may share some things that people maybe necessarily don't want to hear, maybe hard to hear, but it's what we needed to hear you know, 12 years ago. Yeah. And we, I did a, an Instagram post on our anniversary, which was in January, and it just said, you know, today we're celebrating our 16th wedding anniversary. I'm so glad we decided to stay together because our fourth wedding anniversary was almost our last. And then I shared this statistic um, that says that I'll just read this statistic. How many, how many unhappy couples turn their marriages around, you know, when they're considering divorce? The truth is shocking. 86% of unhappily married people who stick it out find that five years later, their marriages are happier. And when I posted that, I had more than just one or two people reach out to me directly and to Chris just saying, Hey, you've never really shared that on Instagram. Like, like where, where did you find that statistic? Like my husband and I, you know, usually women reaching out to me, my husband and I are considering divorce right now. Like, like I would love any resources or any, like any, any help. Like they're just grasping for, for something, you know, for hope, I guess, for their marriage. And Chris and I have been thinking about that. And I guess that's what brings us to our episode today is I wish at that moment I would have been like, oh, you have to listen to this podcast episode that Chris and I did. It's episode, I think this is going to be 17, because it's going to be so helpful to you. So that's what I really want this to be. I want it to be, you know, if you're in this place or if you know someone in this place that they are unhappy in their marriage or they perhaps are considering divorce, that this can be a resource for you or for or for them or whoever it is. And it you know, we don't want to sugarcoat anything. Like we want this episode to be super raw and real. And like Chris said, it's probably not what we wanted to hear. Some of these things, you know, when we were in the thick of where we were, but it is what we absolutely would have needed to hear like when we were in those, those moments. Yeah. I think I want, I want to start off by saying, look, like we are absolutely for marriage. No mistake about it. We are 100% for families staying together and couples staying married. And I will say there are situations, obviously, where getting a divorce and leaving the marriage is the healthy, courageous thing to do. Like, and, and I'm not qualified to be the judge on what, what you know, constitutes that. But there are situations, obviously, where there's serious neglect or abuse or just it's unhealthy that, you know, it, it could be really courageous and, and, and a healthy thing for everyone involved. And that's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about is, you know, marriages where people are unhappy, but they're unhappy, but there's not a significant amount of like, per se, like conflict, or there's not abuse taking place or serious neglect. It's like, those are marriages that can be saved. Those are families that can be like kept together. And, you know, we're going to share a bit of our journey and our story of how we went from this place 12 years ago going to get divorced to, you know, fighting for, you know, what we have. And now 12 years later, like I love Melissa more than anything, more than I've ever could have imagined. Like she's my hero. Like she's my best friend. And we have five children who I love and adore. And, you know, Melissa drives me crazy still, (laughs) you know, and I'm sure I never drive her crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Not to, not to paint a picture that our life is just suddenly rainbows and unicorns. (laughs) Although there are a lot of rainbows in Hawaii. But we, we do have, you know, we do have still things that come up, that come up for us. So it's not perfect. So yeah, make and, that clear. And the reality is like this, this thing we're talking about, like marriage and family and raising a family, especially in today with, a, it's so challenging. I don't want to like try to pretend like it's not. And you can create something really beautiful 
and really amazing. And I just feel like there's far too many situations where people are just willing to give up. And I, that's a, that's the place that I had gotten to where I was absolutely just willing to give up. And had it not been for Melissa's like just real courage and her leadership and her unwillingness to give up, I would have. And so I owe, I owe so much of us taking a stand for a marriage and fighting for it. I owe it to her and, you know, and, and, and we'll share more about that. And I do want to say though, that like, you know, several months ago, there was this couple that was, you know, I would call them somewhat of a celebrity status couple in the entrepreneur space. And they announced on social media, they were getting a divorce. And now I don't, I don't know the full circumstance. I don't know what went on behind the scenes, but just from the limited context I'd have of what they shared on social media as to why they were getting a divorce, they both cited, you know, reasons of unhappiness. And one of them even said, yeah, our marriage is, you know, our marriage has just run its course. And, and then I was surprised, but not shocked in the comments to see a lot of other really successful kind of famous entrepreneurs and thought leaders in the comment sections saying things like, Oh, you're so courageous for putting this out there. You're so brave. And I just completely disagree. I was like, no, that's not, that's not what courage looks like. That's not brave. Like what courage looks like, what brave looks like is you, you get back in there and you fight for your marriage, you fight for your family. Like you do everything. And we'll talk about like, you know, maybe what, what happens once you've done everything, but I just, that view of like, that that's somehow courageous or that's somehow brave. And it, and it's not like this idea that like marriage has run its course. Like it's a piece of fruit that sits on the counter. And if you don't eat it fast enough, it like it goes bad and you throw it out. Like it's like, there's real consequences. Like there's, there's people's lives at stake, not just yours, not your children's, but your future posterity. And, and so, yeah, I think, one of the most noble endeavors that any of us can undertake in this life. And one of the most courageous things we can do is to, is to be in a marriage and fight for it. I think that's the hard thing. Sometimes like you were saying that they, they put it out on, on social media like that. I think sometimes people don't know what to say. Like they don't want to, it might, it would appear rude to like say, Hey, no, I think you should, <laughs> you know, it's their personal decision. But I guess that's one that's one thing we realized, you know, looking back is that it's so easy to enroll anyone that will listen into supporting your decision to, to divorce. Or if you're telling them how bad it is, no one's going to be like, no one's going to call you out on it. Hardly ever. Like everyone's just going to wants to support, support you. And it's all, it's all like well-meaning, but like for us looking back, I'm like, I wish that more people would have maybe advocated for our marriage more. Yeah. And that's, so, so one of the things I, I guess I just want to jump right into it is, is if you are struggling in your marriage right now, and the first thing that comes to mind to tell you is to be, is to be very cautious of who you go talk about that to. Because like Melissa said, when we were struggling, I was, it was super easy for me to go tell my side of the story and enroll people into my story and get them to really feel sorry for me and basically justify whatever decision I wanted them to justify. And, and they would say things like, Oh man, yeah, you're right. Like that sounds really unhappy. I, I think you would be happier if you got a divorce. I think you would be happier if you got separated. And it wasn't, they were doing anything right or wrong. They were, I was the one enrolling them into what I wanted to hear. And, and, and like Melissa said, there's very few people that would actually call me out on that. But I also could go tell a different story if I wanted to. I could I could have gone to those same friends and said, "Yeah, Melissa and I are struggling, but you know, I've been researching and looking at the statistics, and I, I think we really should fight for it. I think we should stick it out." And they just said, "Yeah, that's a. I think you should do that too. Like that's a good idea." So it's it's really easy to enroll people into any narrative you want. So just to be careful that you're not telling a story that you want people to reinforce, and just be cautious of, you know, like. I've heard, I've had for lots of friends since then now tell me that yeah, some of the worst advice they got about staying in a marriage or getting out was from a bitter divorced person, <laughs> you know, like, and, and I will say that there was one person in particular who, when I was trying to enroll them in my narrative of why it would be good for me to get divorced and why it'd be better for our children, which is again, another big lie that I made up and a lot of people make up. And I even was, you know, I was even like making up why it'd be better for Melissa. Like that, that somehow I was actually concerned for her when it was really just my selfish story of wanting to get people, enough people to justify my belief so that I might have the courage to act on it. And I was sharing this with this particular person and 
excuse my language, but I'll just tell you what they told me. They just looked me straight in the eye and they said, yeah, that's a bunch of bullshit, Chris. They said, you can believe that. Like you can buy into that if you want, but you're just completely fooling yourself. Like this would not be better for your children. This would not be better for you. It would not be better for Melissa. And they said, look, take it for what it's worth. Like, but my opinion is you made the commitment to get married. You made the commitment to bring children in this, into this situation. You figured out. And that was a wake up call for me. And I didn't want to hear it. I didn't like hearing it, but I just, that that's the first thing that I guess comes to mind for me. And Melissa, I'll let you speak into that, but I would just be, if you, if you are struggling, try to try to surround yourself with people that will speak life and possibility into you in a way that has you see hope in a way that has you see like that something good and beautiful could come from it. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the first, that's the first step, I guess, you know, for, if we want to share like super actionable, actionable things with, with you, I think the first thing would be, I love what you said, not, not enrolling people into your story, um, to your narrative that you're presenting. And then I think you have to start with a belief that it is, that is, it is even possible. Like that's the very first thing, because if you, and it doesn't even have to be both couples. Like just one couple has, or one person in the couple has to have the belief that more is possible. Yeah. Talk about that. I think you, I think you read some research and, 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 or you and I maybe just talked about this, that in order for a divorce to actually take place, it, it usually requires both people to give up. But as long as one person is willing to hang in there and it doesn't mean they have to hang in there indefinitely forever without the other person doing any work. Right. But I also know that was your experience. Like I was, I was a complete like jerk. I was, I was, I've made Melissa's life a living hell. Like I was not supportive. I was not. And Melissa, yeah, maybe shared, like talk about your intuition and that study. And like, cause I can tell you like that, if Melissa would have been willing to give up at that time, I was already, I had already given up. I was just looking for her too. So I didn't have to like go do, I'd have to be the hundred percent bad guy on my own. I didn't expect to get emotional in this episode, but now that we're like, now that we're, <laughs> I'm sorry guys, but now that we're like in the middle of it, I'm like, feel like, um, very emotional. Um, yeah. So I guess the only thing I would add to that would be, it is, it is such a challenging, challenging time like when you're in, when you're in this situation, I'm um, feels super hopeless and I guess just intuitively though I I felt like there was more there was more available to us as as partners and to our marriage and I just I felt I guess like Chris said just intuitively that it was it was gonna require of me to be totally um just to hang in there without for a little bit, not like for forever, but for, for a little while, it was going to require me. If our marriage was going to last, it was going to require me just to be totally willing to, the word that keeps coming to my mind is selfless. And I think that there's a risk in, in that carrying on for too long that it just becomes like, you don't like, you don't even stand up for yourself, but for, for a little while there, I just felt like that that was what was required of our of me for our marriage to have any hope of ever being successful. And I also this is the part that's making me emotional. I had also read like I was I was super um prayerful and super like reading my scriptures a lot during this time and I remember reading about miracles. And all different kinds of miracles. And and where I was reading it, it talked about how all all these amazing miracles, like like the Red Sea being parted, for example, that they were all possible because of faith. And I just remember thinking, you know, the miracle that I want. It's relatively small. I felt like compared to 
like a huge sea being parted, for example. And so I felt like, you know, as I read that, I was like, okay, that's what is required of me. For, for right now. Like, I just have to have faith in, like, a possibility of the future. And it wasn't... It wasn't something I would have read in a book that would say, like, like if I would have read it, if I would have been reading a book about marriage, it was nothing I would have read in a book, I guess. It was just something that I intuitively knew for myself. And I wouldn't ever necessarily advise someone else to do that. Like, I think it's so personal, like, what what is to be done, like, when you're in, in this situation. You're amazing, Liz. And I really, I'll say like, it really was her faith, like that saved our marriage. And, and since that one initial study, <laughs> and I think when Melissa first read that study, it was when we were really struggling the study about five years. And I think there was both like, mm-hmm. wow, 80, over 87% or 85% were happy. But then the other side, I was like, wow, five years. <laughs> <laughs> After five years. Can I stick with this? <laughs> Can I stick with him? We hadn't even been married five years. No. So it was like twice of our twice our marriage over again. And what's interesting too is like these studies have been replicated. Like studies like that. There's so many studies you can go find where they they measure these statistics and they'll measure couples who were sometimes just moderately happy, unhappy, or severely unhappy, extremely unhappy. We're like we're serious issues from infidelity and alcoholism and addiction and like whatever it is. And again, not saying whether you stay in a marriage or don't like, that's not for me to, but, but this, but just pointing out this was happened in the study and couples that reported being incredibly unhappy five years later, those who, those who stayed married said that they were happy over 80%. And, and even a small group said they were very, very happy. And so, so there's one of the things that I think though, that gets missed a lot in this idea of like, we're struggling in our marriage. Do we get divorced? Do we stay together? Is like, we miss, we don't want to, I like at that time, I didn't want to hear about data. I didn't want to hear about research. I just wanted to be justified in what I felt. I just wanted to, I just wanted to believe that I was unhappy and like get as many people to also believe that I was unhappy and like encourage me to be unhappy and just this miserable existence. But then I, I too could not deny like, like the research and the data and the statistics. And like, I mean, when you look at it and there's, there's, just loads and loads of data and research out there that shows that children who grow up in a home with two married parents in a stable environment statistically like excel in every category. Like it's not even close compared with children who don't. And that doesn't mean that children who don't have that are doomed. Like they, a lot of them defy the odds, but like the statistics are the statistics. And so I think just this idea of what, you know, being really careful who you enroll in your narrative. And then also this idea of like faith and hope and belief, like, and you're not alone in it. It's not just our story. Like I think we drew hope from these statistics and this research that was out there. And I think it hit me. Like if I go through with this, like if I really do, it finally occurred to me, like it would be one of the most cowardly, it will be the most cowardly selfish things I'll ever do in the history of my life. And was it fun though? Like, is it easy and is it fun to stay in a marriage where things are struggling? Like, no, like that's like working and trying to work on a marriage that's struggling. It's not like fun or easy, but I guess working through a divorce wouldn't be fun or easy either. Like ripping a family apart wouldn't be fun or easy either. And like when, when we look at like the, the issues and the challenges that are going on in the world today, like so much of what we can see and what Melissa and I read and research and look at is like, it stems from the breakdown of the family. And again, it's something that we can just either not talk about because we don't want to like hurt anyone's feelings or offend anyone. Or it's like, we can just look at this thing that's really going on and like, what can we do about it? And it really does start with like a decision and like a, a belief of like, do I want to be in this marriage? Not like, Am I happy? Am I unhappy? Like, do I want to stay married? And do I want to like have this be? Cause it's interesting. I was just watching a, a, um, 
a talk, um, an interview on YouTube recently, and they were talking about this very topic of marriage. And one of the talk show hosts had been divorced, and he posed to the expert who's very, very much for marriage um, and family staying together. And this this other person said, "Well, so what are you supposed to do?" Right? Like in my case, what was I supposed to do? Was I supposed to just stay married and live a lie and but tell my children I'm happy, or am I supposed to like get divorced and like and be happy? And when he said that, I was like, that's, that's so amazing. That's exactly how I used to think. Very binary. There's only two options. And that's most of the people I've talked with, especially men who are struggling in marriage. It's like, well, yeah, what am I supposed to do? Stay in a marriage and like have it be a lie and like be unhappy or get divorced and be happy. And it's like, well, first of all, again, if you look at research, the research doesn't suggest that by getting divorced, you'll be happy. In fact, most of the research that's out there shows that you're no happier when you're divorced than you were in the unhappy marriage. In fact, a lot of times you're even more unhappy because now there's other issues. So this idea of the grass is greener, like the grass is greener where you decide to water it. And it's like, what are you looking for? Because, you know, first, first, most first time marriages, the divorce rate right now is about, depending on where he looks between 40 and 50%. Second divorce, second marriages, 67% divorce rate. And third marriages have a over like 74% divorce rate. So it's not like, like where I'm headed, right? Like this is going to magically solve itself because I get divorced. All of a sudden I'm going to be happy. It's like, no, you still have the same maybe challenges or like your emotional well-being is still like where it's at. But that's, it's so funny because that's the only two options I would even consider when I was unhappy. And it was such a, like those two options only were such a lonely, like hopeless place. Like, well, staying in the marriage and being miserable. That doesn't sound fun. Like getting divorced, like, maybe being happy, but breaking apart my family. And so it's like, well, what about the third option, which is you, you work on it, like, and you become happy. And it's like, well, what about that option? Like, what about that possibility of just like deciding? Yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of times people, especially in this situation, you put, you put your happiness on someone else. Like I'm not happy because of him or her. And if that were changed, then I would be happy. But I think that that is also a lie that that we feed ourselves in the moment. Because there's this quote by Abraham Lincoln. It's called, it says, most people are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. And I think that we don't put enough emphasis or value on how much happiness is actually inside of us. It's not any, any outside circumstance or person It has a lot to do with us. <laughs> the reason I'm laughing is right when we were in the thick of like the worst, Melissa got bought that quote uh, on a little, you know, sign, like, like a little boutique or something okay. and hung it above. I put it on the bedside table on a Christmas side, <laughs> on of, my the bed. side of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Melissa is so good. Subtle. So, subtle. <laughs> like, Hey dude, but if I can just be, if I can just be really authentic and just share with you like the lies that I went through and like the, the lies I told myself to try and justify. And one of those lies was exactly what Melissa said is like, well, if Melissa would just be this, Melissa could just do this or like, I'm unhappy. And somehow like I really convinced myself I was unhappy because of her. And that's not going to like end when you get divorced. The, the poor next person you married will just be your next victim of your unhappiness. And the, you know what I mean? It's just like, no, you're unhappy because you're, you're unhappy. You are unhappy. And that was a lie that I finally had to confront and realize like, man, I'm most people about as happy as they make up their minds to be. But like, also I'm hundred percent responsible for my happiness. And the best thing that we can do that, that I can do for our marriage is to work on me and stop trying to change, you know, Melissa or something else. The second lie that I would tell myself and that I he- hear a lot from people that will, you know, come and ask me for advice or talk to us. Oh, but man, my, I, you know, the lie was like, Oh, my kids will be happier though. If I'm happy. Like I somehow, like it was like, I was doing it for them. Now, granted outside of some really extreme circumstances, which maybe that's the case, but like, that wasn't the situation with us. Like I promise you, my kids would have been much happier with Melissa and I staying married and and the two of us being moderately happy than they would have us getting divorced and being extremely happy divorced people. 
Like, I think that has to be a real extreme for that to ever be true. But again, it's, it was a lie that I told myself. And it's so easy, though, to get bought into these narratives. And, and so those were the, really the, the, the two biggest ones for me. And I guess the third lie was like, yeah, it's like, this is all outside of like my control. Like, it just is what it, it is. It just is. I'm just, I just have a miserable marriage. Like, and so, so many people have asked us over the years, like, okay, what did you guys do? Like, how did you go from this place of like real, like misery to, you know, what you have now? And I wouldn't consider like, I don't know, I'd be interested to hear what Melissa has to say, but like, I don't, I don't consider what we have Melissa. Like, Oh, we're, we're super happy compared to where we came from. I just, I think we're super happy compared to like any marriage or relationship I see out there. Yeah. I God, we're on the same page, <laughs> but it's like, it's really miraculous when you think about where we were like, so, so the point is like, you really can do it. And I think, you know, Melissa and I can share with you a little bit of our journey of how we went from this place of me believing all these lies and buying into them. And Melissa has shared with you a little bit of what we did, did have done. Like just, first of all, it started with her faith and her belief to stick there, stick by me and like believe in me and believe in us. But there were some real practical things that we did and some real mindset shifts that I think would really help to just share like what the journey looked like. Yeah, for us. And and like I shared earlier, every I think when you're in this situation, everything is so personal and it's not going to be any, you know, you're not going to read anything that's, you're just going to follow the, a formula and that's going to do it for you. It's going to be real effort and work and trial and error. But we'll share our our best practices, I guess you could call it. Yeah. I guess the first thing I would share aside from what Melissa already said, which we talked about, like one, if one person can just hang on and believe the second thing for me was that I really, even in, even in those times, my darkest times where I was really bought into the lies I was telling myself and really like justifying everything and why I'd be happier and why my kids would be happier. There were some things though that I just couldn't quite shake. And I'm glad I couldn't. Cause they were the things that kind of kept me thinking somewhat rationally. One was the statistics that I had read and researched about marriage and divorce. And then second was like my own family's experience. You know, my, my grandparents got divorced over 70 years ago. And do I, do I blame their divorce for anything that's per se happened? No, like any, any decisions any of us have made in our families, hundred percent, like our responsibility and I can see that their divorce over 70 years ago set things in motion that have not certain things that have not served our family and, and, and and have for generations and have the, have the possibility to continue to impact generations. And so I just saw that like this decision I'm about to make, (laughs) there are real consequences and it's a hell of a thing to put someone through. Like it's a hell of a thing to put your family through and your children through and your future posterity through. Like there's real, real consequences. And so you might as well give it a shot. Like you might as well fight like hell because heaven depends on it. And I really mean that. I really believe that like this has eternal consequences. And I mean, what have you got to lose, right? Like if the statistics show that I'm not going to be miraculously happier after the divorce, well, then what am I, what I got to lose that give it all I got here. And I, what give it all you got means, I guess, is like until you've read every book you can get your hands on and until you've been to a counselor and a therapist for you individually. And as a married couple, until you've talked to someone in your church, until you've talked to people who are divorced and gotten their real perspective of visit, you know, like until you've done everything. And even then, like maybe you try some different things, like, so I know, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little head in the prescription here, but <laughs> that was something that just really, and and part of who helped me start to see that was our marriage counselor, Gordon Gunnell, who we've maybe talked about before, but he helped me really get present to the cost of some of these decisions I was about to make. And he didn't, he didn't do it from like, Hey, you're wrong. He just said, Hey, you just should know that like, if you go through with this, there's, there's a cost. There's some real costs to you, to Melissa, your children, your posterity, future, you know, situations. So I think for me, the first piece of advice I would have, in addition to what we've already said, is just be really honest with yourself. Really look at the consequences. Really look at what you're about to put people through. 
And not that that alone is a reason to stay married, but it's certainly something to, that I, I didn't want to look at. Yeah, consideration. And one thing I'm thinking of here is I also want to make sure that we that we're we're clear when we're saying this that you know if you're if you're ten years into it and you're like, well, we're we've, we're still trying. Like, I don't. That doesn't sound healthy to me either. Like to indefinitely yeah like hold out hope indefinitely into just being limbo like the rest of your life either yeah and only and only the and only that person or that that couple could know if they really have done everything yeah but i also think it's different to be to be unhappy 10 years later but also say yeah but we really haven't like given it everything we've had mm-hmm. you know so i would say another thing is like seek out help <laughs> That was, yeah. Don't try and do, you just get in, in my, in our experience, you get into your old patterns. Like once you've been married, <laughs> even just a couple of years, like I I could tell you how Chris is going to respond when I say a certain thing or do a certain thing. And you know how I'm going to react. Are you, sorry. React. <laughs> just kidding. Responding <laughs> is giving me too much credit. <laughs> um, And you just get into your old patterns of how you operate and how, and sometimes they're flawed. And I think for us, it's, for anyone it is so helpful to have some like a third party there to like talk through it with and to maybe call out your flawed reasoning or your you know maybe things you're just not considering i absolutely would recommend counseling even if you don't want to go i think that if you're gonna say you did everything you got and you don't do counseling then i don't think you've done everything yeah that you could do and we didn't want to do counseling for a while. Neither one of us, like, because it's like, it's, it's vulnerable. It's confronting. It's it was expensive. It's expensive. That was a huge thing. Like, we didn't have money to go to a counselor. And I think sometimes you think we can do it on our own, mm-hmm. or I don't want no, I don't want other people to know about this. And it's like, it's like one of the biggest decisions you're ever going to make. Like, you, you again should exhaust all possible options, and do everything in your power. And I really, owe, I owe this part again to Melissa. Like she was the one that really pushed for counseling and I didn't want to go the first time. And the first guy we went to, we didn't have a great experience. I think we both walked out of there more frustrated than we went in. And so we kind of had a little bit like, well, we're not going to, not going to do that again. Like just wasted money to have a bad experience. We didn't know anyone that any couple that had been to counseling. So it wasn't. Yeah, it's not something that anyone was willing to talk about, really, like, or at least what we could find. Yeah, or be like, oh, you have to go see my counselor. It was literally literally just us Googling. I don't even know if Google, I'm sure Google existed then. Looking, researching online, someone to go see in our in our area. And and I'm glad you pointed that, pointed that out, that we did go see more than one counselor because our first experience was not, not a good one. Like, I don't think either one of us felt listened to or understood when we left. We, like you said, we just felt as frustrated as we were walking in. So what had you, I can't remember, tell, tell the story of what had you, you felt real strongly though about seeing another counselor and specifically you had a like intuition or feeling about Gordon. Yeah. So I, I had kept researching after that experience and I, and I felt like we should, should go see another one. Let, like that first experience with him. I didn't feel like we could write off counseling after that. Like we needed to try something else. Um, so I was just looking on websites and I found when I saw his website, I was like, yes, he's who we need to go see. And I think this would be important to point out. I think some, some counselors, they're not necessarily pro marriage. They're pro individual happiness maybe. And, and I think that it was, it was really important to me that he advocated for marriage. And that's what he said on his website very clearly that, he wants to help couples in, like in their marriage. So once you've decided that you want to work on your marriage, I would really, really suggest that you do the same thing. Like find someone that is pro marriage and is, is going to do everything in their power to help you strengthen your marriage. Well, if I can even say something a little more bold than that, I don't care if you want to work on your marriage, mm-hmm. you go to a counselor anyways, <laughs> because I didn't want to work on our marriage. Yeah. I didn't want to go to the counselor. I went kind of kicking and screaming to the first one. I definitely went kicking and screaming to the second one and kind of was just going to like, I actually proved to Melissa it wouldn't work. 
and maybe she'd finally give up on this. So I didn't, I didn't go into the meeting with Gordon with the best of intentions. I actually went there to kind of sabotage it. And, and I just want to say that like we've had a number of people reach out to us and, and just so happens to be the case. It's all been women so far who's, who say, I want to go to counseling, but my husband won't. And I'm sure there's scenarios where it's, you know, the husband wants to go to counseling and, and the wife won't, but I actually do believe probably the majority of the time when there is, if there is one person that doesn't want to go, it's a husband. And and if that's the case, and, and if you're a husband and you're listening to this and you're struggling to want to go to counseling or wondering if that's like, man, I just, my, my advice to you or my advice to your husband would be like, you owe it to your wife. You owe it to the mother of your children. Like you owe it to your children. You owe it to yourself, like to go to counseling and at least give it a shot. Like, don't worry. Like, let, like, stop worrying about your ego and stop worrying about yourself and stop worrying about how you're going to look like it's, this isn't about you. This is way bigger than you. This is about like your family and don't be a selfish SOB like I was and like, go see the counselor. I don't care if you want to be there or not. Like you get in the damn car and you, <laughs> you go over there and you don't show up like a complete idiot either. What like, do you mean? Well, you don't show up totally resistant and sitting there with your arms folded and like, like not really, you know, like give it a real shot. Like I, I can promise you if you end up deciding to get divorced and you know, and only you could know that you didn't do everything in your power to give it all, that'll haunt you the rest of your life. And I'm not saying that people can't get divorced and create amazing lives after and be super happy and raise really amazing kids. They can, and we've seen it. But I would have wanted to know that if Melissa and I gave it everything we had and it just wasn't going to happen, which I actually don't believe that's possible. Like, I believe that if, again, if you're in the, if outside those extreme circumstances, we said, if you get everything you have, I believe you're going to make it work and you're going to be happy. I truly believe that. If there's two, two committed people. If two committed people are willing to give everything they got 100%, I, I believe failure is not possible. But, it, but let's say it was, you'd at least wouldn't have to haunt, it wouldn't have to haunt you the rest of your life that you like, oh, man, maybe I should have gone to that counselor when my wife wanted to, or maybe we should have like, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking right now, before we started recording, we talked about how you're talking about how when you look back, you're going to want to wish you gave it everything you got. And I'm just thinking about just consequences of like, say you don't give it everything you got and you, and you decide, you know, you want to get divorced. Like I'm getting emotional again because I'm thinking of our conversation before we started recording about, you know, if we had, if we had gotten divorced, we kind of just ran through this scenario. Like what would our lives be like right now? Like what if we had gotten divorced? What, you know, what would, what would be different? What, what would our, how would that have impacted our kids? And, there were like some pretty, obviously, this might even be stating the obvious, but there were some pretty big things that would have happened. Like our kids would be completely different people today than than they are. And it would have been fine. Like they're gonna be who they're who they're meant to be. But like we just said, we would we would never have been able to say have an experience like Hawaii because we would have always needed to stay in close proximity to each other. Um Tate would have never been able to homeschool. He's homeschooled, like, I think about three and a half years in total. You know, if he's splitting time both places, both, you know, at two parents' houses, he would have never been able to homeschool. And that's that's absolutely influenced who he is today, being able to do that. Um, and just, you know, those are just two examples, but it we, shapes. It we shapes. wouldn't have met Ivy, Tripp, and Indy. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> So having faith, confronting, right? Like you, you've got to confront the statistics, the research, the, you know, confronting like the stories you're telling yourself, whether they're true, seeking outside help, right? Like a, a marriage counselor, a therapist. What else did we do, Melissa? I think it's important to be patient too. It's not like an overnight, an overnight thing. There is something else I wanted to share with that. I really, I really recently have started listening to Jordan Peterson and I love his work. And in a lot of his work, he talks about the difference between a tragedy and and hell. And he said, sometimes we experience a tragedy, but because of how we respond to it or how we react, it's not just a tragedy. It becomes a living hell for us. And I'll say that I would consider a a struggling marriage where it's just really hard and you're really unhappy. That's tragic. Like I really, 
it's a tragedy. Like it's hard. It's super hard. And I think that you can go through a hard marriage and struggle and not have it have to be a living hell. And I wish I'd have known that. And I wish I'd have done that because I can say that like we, I, I personally, mo- and mostly all me took what was a tragic situation and I made it a he- living hell for Melissa because of some of the things I did and some of the things that I said. And, and, and one of the things that like of all the things that I, in my life, like the thing I'm most ashamed of, and I've feel like I've forgiven myself for it and I've like used it to shape me to be stronger, make a difference. But I'm really, really ashamed of like how I showed up in our marriage and the choices I made and things I said to Melissa that I wish I could go and take back. And and I'm convinced that if any two people in any situation, but let's specifically in a marriage, if you're trying to improve your marriage and really work on your relationship, but you are saying hurtful, mean, hateful things to each other, it's impossible to improve your marriage. So like one practical piece of advice I would give is like, you can be authentic with each other and say like, man, you, you've really, you've really been frustrating me lately. Or like, it's really difficult lately for me to like, but man, when you're hurt and when you're like wounded, it's really easy to like take the gloves off and throw cheap shots. And, you know, so like a marriage being hard is tragic saying something like, I wish I'd have never married you. That's hell. Right. Like marriage being hard is tragic, but saying something like, you know, I'm not attracted to you anymore. That's hell. You know, marriage being hard can be tragic or, but saying things like, I never wanted to marry you in the first place. And, you know, you've, you've always been difficult and you're, you're never going to change like this. And I get how easy it can be to say those like really mean, hurtful things, but I can promise you like, it's not, even if you end up getting divorced, like there's things that you'll just regret that you ever said. Like, and I just truly believe that if, if it will make it impossible for you as a couple to, to come closer together and work on a marriage, if you speak to each other in in ways that are just brutal and hurtful. Last night, I knew we were going to do this podcast today. Last night I woke up in the middle of the night thinking about something that I learned a few weeks ago and it's called, it's called the Pygmalion effect. And my friend, Rebecca, she, she, um, she had a training that I was on that she talked about this, but you can look it up, but basically it just says that, that whatever, whatever you believe, and in this case about a marriage or about, you know, a spouse that that is, it's like a self fulfilling prophecy. So for example, if I believe my husband is an absolute jerk, then I'll find reasons all day about why he's, why he's a jerk and he'll become probably more of a jerk. But if I, if I believe more and expect, expect more of him, then this, this research, this Pygmalion effect says that the, the person will rise to your beliefs in them. And I don't know why that's been on my mind so much lately, but, but it has. And I think that that, I think that has a lot to do with, with turning a marriage around too. Well, yeah, it's like what we were talking about the other day. Like, are, like, are we working harder to like lose our faith or build our faith in, in, in anything? We were talking about something different than marriage, but I, you know, I think that we can't underestimate too, like the power of prayer as it relates to what you're talking about and wanting to have believe and like everything comes down to our beliefs. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, how do I shape, reshape my beliefs? Right. Like for you, like how do I go from believing he's a jerk, even though I have evidence to believing like something better and, and bringing that to pass. One of the experiences that I had was, and this was, I would say things were like getting a little better. Like there was still light. There, may, there was a, maybe a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. But when I say things better, it was like 5149. It wasn't like, (laughs) you know, transformational. Mm -hmm. I just had this thought to pray to change the way I saw Melissa. Not because who she was and how I saw her was like, or who because of who she was 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 wrong. I just had this flawed view that I created of her because I wanted to, because it justified, like it's, it's much more difficult for me to carry through with the divorce if I have this view of her as being this amazing, awesome, supportive Right. So I've got to make up a narrative that supports mm-hmm. how awful she is and whatever that else. So it'll help me feel justified in it. 
And so I just prayed like, and it didn't happen overnight, but for months I prayed like to God to help me see Melissa, how he saw her and appreciate her for like who she really truly was. And I don't know how else to say it other than like that coupled with other things we're doing it, like it worked. Like she just occurred to me as completely different, like almost like a brand new person. And, and, and so I think prayer and, and like the, how that fits into like the Pygmalion effect of like whatever you believe and kind of whatever you expect is what you create. Mm-hmm. I'd say another thing that we've talked about, you know, being hundred percent responsible for your own happiness and doing work on yourself instead of trying to change out of the person. Another thing we talked about is the, you know, the book, the go-giver. So we read the book, the go-giver, or I, I had been reading it and I shared it with Melissa at the time. You know, we always hear about this idea of win-win, like you've got to create a win-win. And I always thought that was a good thing. Like, oh, win-win, like everyone wins. But in the book, it actually breaks down how a win-win, a 50-50 is actually a lose because it's basically a higher form of keeping score. What it's basically saying is, hey, I'll come 50% of the way, but you've got to come 50% of the way. And if you don't come 50% of the way, I'm going to let you know about it. I'm going to hold it against you. And I'm going to like remind you, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I said, the only way it's a win is if you make it 100% win for the other person with no thought or expectation of return. You're just doing it because you just are committed to that person. Now, if that other person also decides to make it 100% win for you, well, then that could be really magical. You have two people making it 100% for the other person. Like that could be really magical, you know? Totally. And it's funny that Melissa's grandpa who married us told us one of the, one of the only pieces of marriage advice I remember him giving us was don't keep score. And we became professional scorekeepers. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's just really like, and so I guess that, the last thing I would say in, in everything that we've shared though, is that like, man, there's hope like they're like, you really, and that's, that's what these studies, you know, that follow these couples tend like and thousands and thousands and thousands of couples, right. Over this five year period of time, when they asked those couples who went from being incredibly unhappy to happy or very happy, how'd you do it? it wasn't like earth shattering, which I actually think is kind of hopeful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, Oh, it's not gonna, it doesn't have to be this. It's like, we just, kept putting one, one foot in front of the other. And we, we kept surrounding ourselves with people that would give us, you know, encouragement to stay in there. And and it was, and it's not like, Oh, just this Chris and Melissa were able to do it, but like they're, they're the exception. It's no, that statistic is like 86%. So it's a huge, it's a huge statistic. And there's been plenty of statistics that show that couples who have struggled, who stay together actually end up being happier like because of that struggle, like it strengthens them even more. Right. Yeah. I know. I know for Chris and I, I think we've mentioned this before that we, we don't, we don't take our marriage for granted. And I don't think that we ever will because we know what it used to be like. We remember what it used to be like, you know, so we're, we're going to make sure that we take our couples getaways and our date nights and, you know, all those little things because, it's so easy to to push those off for other things, and then it, it affects the marriage. It undoubtedly does. So, I guess my final words of encouragement, and then unless you can share, but I would just say to anyone that's struggling that just decide. And I know that sounds overly simplistic, but like my friend Brad, he has this distinction between decisions and deciding. And clearly, like if you're listening and you're married, you made the decision to get married, but have you decided? And I would just say like, and again, not, not forever, but at least for a time, just you decide that I'm going to be married to this person for the rest of my life. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make it a hundred percent about that person's happiness. And I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight with everything I've got for this marriage. And I'm going to have faith that it can and will get better. And, and the other thing I would just say is like, you're so much stronger than you think you are. Like life is so like, I just think about some of the things in my own family and just sometimes it can like almost be crushing, like to think about how much tragedy can happen in a family and in a, just a people and how much bad there is in the world and how much hardship there is. And like, it can like life is so hard and so tough and, like addictions and suicides and just, just hard, hard, horrible things. And like, we're really tough as people. Like you are way stronger than you think you are. And in spite of all that, you can really take a stand for your family and you can create something really beautiful. 
that you'll be really grateful you did and your wife and your your husband will be really grateful you did and your children and your future future posterity will be really grateful you did and and I guess I'd also say if you if you are divorced take everything you have that like you've learned from that and create the most amazing relationship you know in your next marriage and make that everything you wanted it to be or if you're struggling in your second marriage your third marriage I would all these principles apply to me. You, you know, you fight. And I just believe that I believe in people. Like I believe in marriages. I believe in families. I believe that you really can create something amazing. You really can take a stand for you and your marriage and your family, your kids. It's really beautiful. I don't have anything to add other than, you know, we'll put, we've, we've cited a lot of um, references and, and studies and we'll make sure and put those all on the show notes. And, Chris and I really do believe that a lot of what's happening in the world today is because of the breakdown of marriages and subsequently families. And, you know, if you, we would ask that you maybe share this episode with, with, with someone that if you feel like they could benefit from it, you know, if someone's come to mind, we would love to be able to influence families to, to, to stay together to like to make their marriage last thank you hey there thanks for listening to today's episode to show our appreciation we want to offer you a free gift we have an incredible online course you can get now by going to familybrand.com or by following the link in the show notes and while you're there at familybrand.com be sure to follow us on social media so that we can go on this journey together Lastly, if this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you share it with another powerful family in your life and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. We will see you in the next episode.